0: I'm just going to tell you right now um, a little emotional I had no idea that this evening that it was gonna. in the way it has. But that's okay. I'm not ashamed of tears. You know, we'd all love to have a story like the Benham brothers did this afternoon. It's great. It's encouraging. There's some of you that, that gave hope to. There's others of you that Last evening, Jay's story just touched. Help work through things of forgiveness. And there's others of you that neither one of those stories really connected. It's my guess. They were encouraging. <clears throat> neither one of their stories was my story at all. I came, honestly, when I came, I had no plans of sharing my story just simply because I was just like, God, not, not this time. Not that I'm scared or ashamed or anything to share my story, but I was just like, I want to talk about something else this time. But I was asked, by different people and God. And I just want to be obedient in that. But before I even get into that, I just want to look at a few things. Um, When you look at the Benham brothers, when you look at their story this afternoon, I want to tell you something. Every one of us would love to have a story like that. But the reason that God did not give you a story like that is because there's a complete different picture he wanted to paint with your life. If he would have wanted to end up with the same result for them, he would have given you the exact story. and He would have done the same for you. So the simple fact that your story and my story is not their story means there's something else that he's wanting to do with you. And your story is just as important. What he's wanting to do with your life is just as important as anything they've ever done. One of the things that just has been a huge blessing to me this week is, um, my, the worship, the, the songs, the message in the songs that just keep coming across. Just couldn't fit into this more. And it's songs of redemption. It's songs of God taking what the enemy is meaning for evil and turning it for his good. And, and, And you look at what happened with Jay. Prime example. You're going to hear more tonight. Songs about him being a shepherd that's pursuing you. And if there's someone here that is still kind of resisting something that you know God is asking of you, I just going to tell you, like I said yesterday, it's going to get worse because he's pursuing you. And he's not satisfied with anything less than your surrender and my surrender. Have you ever, do any of you know this song? You've been running, running for a long, long time. You've been running, running with no peace in mind. You regret the day you turned away and became a fugitive of God. You've been searching, searching. Uh, Hold on. have it back there in my Bible Um, but just, just just gives the picture of just running just running for something and yet you know that God is just pursuing you and then the chorus just goes why don't you turn around why don't you turn, turn, turn around why do you roam can't you see God the Father stands to welcome you home So God is pursuing you this week. It's because of his love that he is. There was once a boy, you may have heard this, may have heard this story, but there was once a boy that his dad asked him to take out the trash and said, and I'd like for you to take out the trash That's okay. Testing one, two. So the dad said, I'd like to take you, I'd like for you to take out the trash. And I don't want you just to take it out this morning, I want you to take it out every Thursday morning when the truck is going. I want you to take the trash out. And the son says, Dad, that's a great idea. And Thursday morning rolled around, and he didn't do it. And Dad's like, "Son, I, I want you to. I told you I wanted you to take out the trash." He said, "Dad, you know you're, you're so awesome for that idea. I mean, man, just the fact that you gave me that, you told me to do that. You're, you're awesome." Next Thursday morning rolls around. And he didn't take the trash out, and Dad says, "Well, son, you are. Why did you not take the trash out?" He said, Dad, you know, it's so awesome that you're saying that that I think I'm even going to write a song about it. I'm going to write a song about how awesome you are and about how it just makes me feel so free having a dad that wants me to take the trash out. I feel so secure with a dad like you that wants me to take the trash out. In fact, I love it so much, I'm going to write it all down on paper. I'm going to hang it on my wall on a motto. And Memorize it word for word, yet there's no obedience. That sounds crazy, but I'm going to tell you it's exactly how we live too often. So many times we know God is asking something, and we will come and we will worship. And we will lift our hands and we talk about, God, you're such an awesome God. And at the same time, we know that that same Father that is asking something of us specifically, we're simply refusing to follow through. So how is it with you? What's God saying to you this week? Just as my story is not about me, but about his redemption plan, it's the same for every one of you. I want to tell you, if you're sitting here, you just feel like you don't have much of a story because you don't have an incredible testimony of having been delivered from a lot of sin and whatever all praise God for that. Don't feel like you're less important. Praise God for that protection. You know, the enemy wants us to feel like you're just common and your problems are so unique. No one's going to understand. No one else here is going through the same thing I am. But you know, instead, your problems are common and you are unique. Remember last night, Psalm 139? You are fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose. First Corinthians 10, 13, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to withstand, but will with the temptation also provide a way out that you will be able to bear it. So as we're faced with temptations, let's just focus on the one who makes that way of escape. He's already tried it. He's already made sure that you have what it takes to stand against that. So this evening I'm just going to be, um, I'm going to be sharing some of my journey. And um, last evening I just asked the worship team if they would sing the song "Sovereign Over Us." Um, and as they sing it, I would just, I'd just love if we could just all, um, like us, not even participate and just let them sing it over us and just have your eyes closed and I want you there there's a there's a certain part of the song there may be other parts of the song that speak to you but there's a certain part of the song that says what the enemy meant for evil you turn it for our good and your glory and that's what tonight's going to be about so let's just close our eyes as they sing the song over us sovereign.
1: There is strength within the sorrow.
0: You see, what, from all the way back from the creation of the world, before we were ever formed in our mother's womb, you you had a plan for us. You had a purpose for us. And we know that the enemy has, has evil in mind. The enemy wants to come in and he wants to derail that plan. And, God, we know that so often he has. He has in my life, but God, I thank you that the enemy is defeated. He is a defeated foe, and that through Christ, through having the power of Christ in us, we can rise above that, and we can live in victory. We can live in power, and God, I thank you that that power, that power that transformed my life is here tonight. And God, I just pray that tonight you would simply just remove anything of the flesh. From my mind. From my mouth. God, I don't want this to be about my agenda at all. Just pray, God, that at least one person would leave different. One person would somehow um, be encouraged, find hope, So I don't have just a huge, dramatic story like Jay did, something that just captivates as far as what happened and all the trauma he went through. I don't have that. Neither do I have a story of Dad praying for things when I was a little boy and asking for my face like the Benham brothers. I don't have that. But what I do have is, I have a, I was at a complete different place in life. I was not a victim like Jay. And I didn't have God doing huge things concerning career and and all of that. For me, the reason my story is completely different is because God had a lot to do in me, but it was because of my choosing. It was because of choices I made. Here's the thing. One of the reasons that I'm emotional is, some, is for this reason, that my story is a lot more common. And I know that there's a much bigger chance that someone has either is or has walked the path that I have and I just hope somehow tonight that it can be a blessing to you so um, I don't even have to talk much about my young years because I had a great home life mom and dad I've never heard I've never heard mom and dad argue they were wonderful parents to me they loved us they took good care of us there was had a great home life I have four brothers and one sister Um, other than the fact that at 8 years old I had to start getting up at 3.30 in the morning and milking cows and sometimes getting a nap before I go to school and sometimes not and going to school and coming home and going right back out till dark. Other than that, I had, I mean, now that almost seemed like child abuse, but back then it was life. I didn't know there was anything wrong with that, and it wasn't. I'm glad now that that Dad taught me those work ethics. But so I had a great home life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I asked permission from David last evening, just ask his blessing to share, because there's going to be some things I'm going to speak bluntly about. Here's the thing. We live in a culture where pretty much if you can read and you know how to use a phone or the Internet at all, why try to beat around the bush, why not just be open? Because some of our little four-year-old children know how to operate technology better than us, some of us older people do. So, And David just said he trusts the Holy Spirit, and that's what I want to do with it. So at, um, at about, I think I was 10, nine or ten years old, um, working on my uncle's farm there, um, there was a man that used to like to come hang out on the farm there. He was deaf. We didn't know him. He just started showing up, and it's kind of it was a little weird. But they had a they sold feed there, so he would just kind of start hanging out. Come to find out, um, without going into a lot of detail, he was gay, and he introduced my brother um, to masturbation. My brother was a year older, and. My brother told me, told me about it, and I'm like, what's that? Well, we all know where, where that one, but it started, it started me on a journey. It started me down a path of, um, uh, of just kind of being, we just got pretty involved with that at about at 11, then I had, um, I received Christ as my savior and, um, being in a beachy church, obviously, I didn't get baptized. Until I was fourteen, but anyway. Um, but still, uh, even though I had gotten saved at eleven, this was something that was just something that was plaguing me, and and I'm not even going to spend much time in my um, in my teenage years, but that was just a problem. That was something that just plagued me, just on and on and on. Can't even tell you how many times I've been to the altar. Can't tell you how many times I would go and I would confess I'm like, Lord, I'm just so tired of this. I know it's not right. And porn wasn't as available back then. It was, you know, you had to have magazines and that type of thing. And so I was involved in that some at that point, but not a whole lot. But I just, I could not keep walking in victory. So um, fast forward then to. Um, Fast forward then to when I was 20 years old, and my now wife was 16. Um, one of her friends kind of was one of my cousins, and and she just like, hey, you need to you need to talk to you need to talk to Hannah, and uh, she's kind of going through some things, you know, and. And I, I knew it was a little bit more to it than just wanting me to try to encourage her. But I was like, well, whatever. And so I started talking to her. And we, um, you know, we kind of, uh, relationships started growing there some. Her dad was a preacher. And because of kind of the life I was living, I was, um, for the most I wasn't just living in like open rebellion, but I was always just kind of pushing the, or whatever in the church, and because of that, a lot of the church people didn't really, I shouldn't say a lot, a few of the vocal ones didn't really like me, and so I was kind of always an outcast, and they're like, Daniel, you don't need to let Hannah date Greg, and I wanted to, she wanted to, Daniel says no, my mom and dad would have been perfectly fine with it, they would have given their blessing, but no, no, this went on. So obviously Hannah and I wanted to talk. We couldn't there was no such thing as text and Snapchat and all that back then, so we would want to talk, so we'd be together at times, but it had to be in secret, so often it would have to be at night. Well, that's not healthy either when no one else is around. And we got into trouble. We we got into some immorality. Um people found out. To this day, I have no idea how, but I'm glad they did. I mean, seriously, like my wife and I are still baffled. Like, how in the world would anybody know? But they did, and I don't care that I don't care who told them. I'm, I'm glad it was found out. But because of that, we weren't able to be together. And so, when I was 22, my wife then 18, we were both members of the church. We both wanted to um, we both wanted to be Together, and they were still saying no. In fact, her dad—the last thing we had heard was, um, "I'm never going to be able to give my blessings on you dating Greg." So, we'd only had—there was at one point he had let us have one date. So we talked about it, and we finally decided that there's—we don't really have any other option. We don't want to disappoint our parents. We didn't even want to disappoint the church. But we knew we wanted each other. So one night I went and I picked her up around midnight. Um, she lived in the basement of their home and she slipped out. Her parents didn't know it. My parents didn't know it. And uh, we left and went north about an hour to Macon, Georgia there. and uh, Just got a motel room for the rest of the night. And the next morning we... He went over to the – we left notes with our parents just saying, um, please don't contact us. We're not, you know, we're sorry it's come to this. Please don't contact us. The quicker you – the more you just leave us alone, the quicker we'll be in contact with you again. Obviously, that didn't happen with her parents. Um, As soon as they found out, they were – my phone was ringing, so I just shut it off. You know, like I didn't want to talk to anybody at that point so when the courthouse opened the next day there in Macon um, we hurried went over and we got married we got married in the courthouse there so so it was kind of like a thing of well we we hate we hurt our parents we hate we hurt the church we hate all of our friends all of that but at least now we're married at least no one can separate us now and so that was kind of a felt like just kind of a relief, but yet deep inside, I mean, it was, but I had, I had arranged, um, I had a, I had a uncle, a great uncle in Virginia Beach. Uh, he was a multimillionaire, and he had told me uh, he wasn't a believer. He was just like, hey, I, I so I would contacted him a couple of months before, and kind of told him what's going on, and he said, hey, if you, if you ever need to do something, he said, just, I'll give you a job, I'll give you a place, say, just, just come on. So that's where we were headed. So we went on a honeymoon then, and um, after a few days, we finally contacted our family and talked to them. And um, of course, it was they were devastated that we had followed through with going ahead and getting, or at least her parents were. Um, and so then we go on up to Virginia Beach, and when, when we were there, then we had. Um, was talking to her parents. I hadn't even started work yet. And I was talking to her dad again. Her dad's a preacher. And he's like, will y'all not just come back and just, let's just make everything okay. And I was just like, look, if we come back, we're just going to be excommunicated anyway. And I don't know how many of you grew up in that type of setting, but anyway. You're, I was like, we're just going to be excommunicated anyway. Why would we even want to? And he said, "No, actually, the church, talk, the 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 ministry talked about it. And if you come back to make peace, we will not excommunicate you." I was like, "Wow, okay, whatever." Again, we didn't even really, we weren't even really, other than the fact that we just knew we wanted each other real bad. We really did want to live for God. We were not trying to be rebellious. That was not really what we, our intentions. So we thought about it for a while. We thought about it for, I'm not even sure how long it was. And finally we said, you know, if they're willing to have grace with us like that, we're, we're going to give it a shot. So I just told my uncle, I said, we're, we're headed back. And we did. Um, the family, both sides were real, fairly accepting of us. It was, it was hard on them, of course. But about two or three weeks later, um, I knew the church was having a members meeting, and I knew I was going to be, or we were going to be the subject of, at least part of it. And after the after the uh, church was done, I think my wife and I had already went to bed, I think, and my dad called and said, hey, can we come over and chat? And I was like, well, sure, well, whatever. And, um, and about the time, even before they got, before my mom and dad got there, her mom and dad came down. I was like, oh, what's what's going on? And they walk in and just say, we just want to let you know what happened. Y'all were excommunicated tonight. And that was just like a, a nice dream. I'm like, everything I had planned for us, we gave up because y'all said we would not be excommunicated. And without even talking or telling us she had a change of heart, we're excommunicated now. And of course, her dad said, "Look, I'm, I'm just, I'll just take all the blame for it. I, mean, I know it wasn't him, but anyway you know, he said I'll take all the blame." They just they had a change of mind that they feel like there needs to be an example made, so that if someone in the future would ever, <clears throat> in case I don't say it later, I just want you to know. I am not sharing any of that from a bitter place in my heart. I love that church. The relationship with the people there have been complete. restored. God has done a wonderful work in that, in the leadership in that church. A lot of my family is there, and I love that church, by the way. So I just, in case I don't say that in the future, I'm not speaking out of a place of bitterness. Um, all right, so that happened. We we were on whatever they call it, proving or probation or whatever, all for a little while. And, and finally we're brought back into the church in, in good standing. Um, but for a little, uh, and, and we were for about the next year. But then um, I, I still, I don't know, that problem that had been plaguing me through my teen years, um, I just thought it would go away when I got married and it started plaguing me again. And just temptation and stuff, just, just really getting the best of me. And anyway, then we, we actually left that church and went to a little more of a liberal church, still a Mennonite church, went to a little more liberal church. And we got started with, uh, we got to be close with a couple there that, um, as a couple, as a married couple, introduced us to actually watching porn as couples. And at first, it felt so wrong. But just like with everything else, with time, it just didn't seem quite so bad anymore. And honestly, I started buying into the lie that, you know, we're married now, so as long as I'm just watching with my wife. In fact, I even told, I even told my wife, I said, I, I won't watch porn unless we're watching it together. that went on for a little while, I don't know, maybe a year. And my wife just finally just said, look, I just don't feel comfortable with this anymore. It's just not right. And I knew she was right, but I still wasn't quite ready to give it up. And But we we did, for the most part, or we did as a couple. There was times when I was alone yet that I would I still would. I loved my wife. I never wanted to hurt my wife. Never had any plans of ever hurting her. But after a number of years, uh, there came a point when, for a while, my wife was not feeling well. It was... One of her pregnancies, she was not feeling well for about eight months of her pregnancy. and Things changed, and the devil started speaking into my ear again. You're not getting what you need from your wife. So you're a married man, you deserve something. You deserve more. And there was a wide open, there was a door that was open. And I stepped through that door, and I lived in unfaithfulness to my wife for eight months on a regular basis, often a couple times a week. And to make matters worse, it was with her best friend, her best friend. I had no plans of ever going there. I never wanted to be that man. The relationship, after about eight months, cut that off. And right after that, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain kind of the the process. Honestly, I don't have just a ton of memory of that next year, a little over a year. But what I do know is that during that time, even though I, I still, that was still hidden from everyone, I, I know that God was doing something in my heart. And there was things that I was just letting go of. There was things, areas of my life that I was surrendering just one at a time. And God was doing a work. And it was doing a work so much so that this thing that I had hidden, I knew and I was committed that one day I will tell my wife and I was actually looking forward to it as far as, because I wanted to be, I wanted that off my heart. And so it was about a year later, a little over a year later, we were having revival meetings. And again, remember I'd been at the altar so many times just confessing the same thing, falling right back into it. And so I... um. I remember coming into those meetings, and it would, have, and, and, and I just remember God telling me before the meeting said, "This week is time," and I was like, "Yes, I'm ready." And I just said, "Lord, you tell me when she's ready. You tell me when is the right time," and I'm going for it. I can take you right to where I was sitting. That was on a Thursday night. I can tell you right where I was sitting in our church that night when I have no idea what was being preached. I have no clue. I just remember the Lord said, Tonight's the night. And a peace came over me. Now, that's hard to explain when you have sin that you've had hidden. That you just feel awful about. That there's so much shame and condemnation and filth. You just feel like a whatever. And, and to just come to that point of like a peace and an excitement to just be free from this. And I said, Lord, I'll do it tonight. So I remember I went to the altar that night to just ask the Lord for strength. And we're on the way home and my wife said, so what were you praying about? And I just said, well, we'll have to talk later. She knew then that it was something serious. And so she, um, after we put the children down for the night, it was a long night. But I just remember saying, devil, you have robbed so much of my life, so much of my joy. You've robbed things from my from my wife. You've robbed Me of so much that tonight you're not getting this conversation. And what I refuse to do is to start in and let any of her reaction keep me from going all the way. And because of that, the first thing that I said, I just put the worst out right away to make sure whatever else she asks is I'm not gonna say lesser, but you know, just just get the worst out right away. Um, so she was very gracious, it was so hard, a lot of tears, but she did forgive me, was committed to walking with me through it. And here's where I wanna here's where I wanna go tonight. There is things that God taught me through all of that That whole that whole thing So for 29 years I'm battling this And I know most of you are not 29 yet Well there's no need in being 29 Before you're set free There's no need in going that long And so here's what Here's what God started doing in me And I remember one night I remember praying and I just said Lord I'm so sick and tired of the devil wrecking my life with this junk, with just this lust and with porn and masturbation. I'm so tired of this life. At 29 years old, I said, Lord, if you have to take something from me physically to allow me to walk in victory, my body is yours. Take it. It seemed like a, at the time a pretty... Easy prayer because I was I had just been miserable. I had literally come to accept. Remember last night I said we do not have to accept failure as even an option. And I had totally accepted it. That this is normal. I'm just a man. I'll always be this way. And I said, Lord, if 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 you take have to take something from me physically, take it. And I'm it. And the Lord spoke to me and just said, Quit repenting. Quit just confessing what you've done. Because I've done it so many times. Quit just confessing what you've done. And just repent of who you are. And I was like, well, that sounds too easy. Well, so who who am I? I'm simply a lustful person. My heart, that's who I am. I'm a pervert. Well, that didn't feel good, but it's who I am. I've lived all these years. I can't get, I can't find victory in it. And to top it all off, I go hurt my wife and her best friend. And I was like, Lord, I am a lustful person. I'm just filled with lust. And I simply repent of that. And I, just simply, it was. It felt like I was coming at it from a complete different standpoint. All of a sudden, I'm coming to grips with who I am. Before, I was just looking at what I had done, and it wasn't changing anything. Well, so over the next year, uh, after I prayed that and and just asked the Lord to just take something from me physically, if He needed to. A couple months later, my wife, you know, just like, hey, how are things going for you? I'm like, great. She's like, well, no, I want you to be honest. I am being honest. It's great. And she said, "No, you're you're a man." She had bought into that lie too. But, hon, I know you're a man, though. And I know y'all's battle. And I said, "I know, I know." But I'm not struggling. Those say the same woman that at one time walking across the street with hardly anything on that would have just made me just burn with lust now. As soon as I said, I just have a heart of compassion. It's like she just needs Jesus. There's something in her that's just crying out for attention that's making her want to show her body off. And I just had compassion and I said, I don't really even know what, I don't even know how to be this man. And the first little while she didn't really she had a hard time believing me because I'd lived a lie for so long. Why should she believe me now? As time went on, she saw that I'm actually being serious. I'm actually being honest. That I am not, literally, not struggling with lust. About a year and a half later, after I had almost forgot what that battle's even like, I remember thinking, "Man, over the, over the last year and a half, I was like, if the next ten years." go the way this last year and a half has by the time I'm 40 there will be no drive for that for sex at all and I don't want that I'm still a young man and I thought of my prayer and I said oh no Lord did you do something to me and he spoke to me again and he said that prayer when you gave me your body and you committed that to me as a living sacrifice, and when you came to grips with who you were as a person and you repented of that, he reminded me of the account where he told David, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And he said, For this last year and a half, I've been fighting your battles. And he said, And now you're at a place where I can start giving it back. And he did. But I was at such a complete different place. God had grown me so much in that last in that year and a half there um, that all of a sudden I was at a place where I could, I could handle that. I knew there was a way out. I knew there was victory. I knew there was freedom. And I also knew what it was actually like to look at women with love and compassion and respect and that they were not just sex objects. I can't tell you that in the last 10 years have been 100% victory. It hasn't. But what I can tell you is that God has completely set me free. God has given me victory. God has given me a complete new heart in it. He has redeemed it. Here's the thing. Not only has He redeemed it, not only has He redeemed our marriage, not only has He blessed us with four wonderful children and four young daughters. Our oldest is 15. She walked in, you'd probably think she's 18 with a heart for God and with just a desire for modesty and understanding when we sat her down at eight years old because she was so mature and we told her, we said we will not. We will not be silent and let the, what the enemy did to us happen to you. Because my parents, such a good home, but we weren't taught. We weren't taught anything about the sexual desires and the things that are happening in our bodies. We weren't taught that. Never really had that conversation with dad till after we were married. And we said this won't happen by God's grace. This isn't happening to our children. And so we sat down with Erica, at eight years old, and we explained to her just life, the facts of life, and how that her body is a, is a precious gift for her future husband, and for her, and, and that the greatest, the greatest gift she can give to her future husband is purity. And just tried to implant that into her mind and now even at 15 years old for her to come to us and just wanting to make sure that her new outfit is modest enough. It's not because of me. It's not because of us. Because I blew it but because of God's goodness and to the fact that those chains can absolutely be cut and they do not have to pass to our children. We don't have to accept failure. We don't have to accept defeat as the norm. Men, it is not normal for you to live in defeat. That is not what God intended. Now, you ladies might feel like this is kind of something more for the guys. Well, so fast forward a number of years, then from that, and we were had been involved in youth ministry for a while, and I remember one night we were at, Le- at Youth Alive in Pennsylvania, and I remember one on a Saturday night we were there was some people that had that got saved that week and they wanted to be baptized in that at about midnight Saturday night we had been worshiping and all that. And we went over to the pool and we are going to have a baptism. It was about 2 or 300 youth and we we're standing all around this pool and had a baptism. But then they just opened it up if people wanted to share. And God started opening up. Just about things God was doing and um and started confessing some of the very things that I'm sit- I'm talking about tonight. And I noticed off to the side there was this young lady that had a couple of the had the pastor and a couple of the other leaders kind of pulled off to the side there and was just talking and I am just kind of wondering what's going on and soon I could tell they were in deep conversation and soon they just said that she has something she wants to share and she opened up first of the ladies how that porn was an issue for her that purity was an issue for her. And that one young lady that took that step of honesty and transparency opened the door. And one after another of other young ladies coming out. Not all of it was porn. But way more ladies than I figure. my wife and I do counseling and there's just be real it's not just guys it's a problem the thing is God created you men God created you to be a protector God created you to protect that's who you are that is what god that's what god put you here for is to protect and and to respect the ladies and ladies god put you here to honor the men and to realize that yes in the men there is a much higher sex drive than you have remember that honor that with your body honor that with the way you conduct yourself Honor that with the way that you dress, and I'm not here. By the way, I was I'm maybe later in the week. or so often as soon as someone says the word modesty, thinking, "Oh, there comes a message to the women." No, modesty is just as much for the men. It, it, it dress is only one small part of modesty, so I'm not even going there. I'm just telling you, realize that that is a honor. The men in your life, honor those around you by realizing. You're not responsible for them, for them lusting and for them having a problem with that. You're not responsible, but you can help them and honor them in that. And then, guys, for us to remember that it's so easy for us, it's so easy for us as men, and I see it all the time. Ladies as a whole are so much more tenderhearted and caring And so many times I see guys that all they have to do is just kind of start playing poor pitiful me about something. And they'll get one of the ladies sucked into a relationship and an emotional attachment. Guys, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. And here in front of the guys, I'm going to beg of you ladies, don't let a guy suck you into it. Don't be that lady. Honor him enough to say, I will not. Honor him enough, even if he's the one wanting it. Honor him enough to say, you're the protector. You're supposed to protect. And I will not become emotionally attached. Unless there's pure motives in a working towards a further relationship with marriage, but absolutely not. I see it happen all the time, and it's totally, not only is it wrong, it's disgusting to me to see with the simple because of these and snaps, that just Snapchat, and just always just so quick, just going away, bam, bam, and just playing with their emotions. Guys, let's just not be that guy. Let's not be one that plays with their emotions. Let's honor, let's respect each other. Don't wait till you're married to honor your husband, to respect your wife, to love. Love the way Christ loved and the way Christ loved the church. Failure, defeat, living in sin does absolutely not have to be the norm for you. It absolutely doesn't. I know not everyone's story of God just fighting the battle. That's not the same story just for everyone. I know I know men that I'm that I've walked with and am walking with that really battled it and they're living in victory, but it's 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 really a battle yet. And my guess is there's a lot of you here like that. But I'm ready to see a generation rise up in spite of all the technology that just simply says, Satan, not anymore. Enough is enough. Marriage will not fix your lust problem. I promise. It won't. Your story is different than mine. But I want to tell you one of the things that happened almost right away. The first person, the first man that God brought to me came to me, and this was a married man. He comes to me and he said, um, He said, Hey, I, I. I have to talk to someone about something i'm going through and it was kind of it was down this line he said nah, i i just i know i got to talk to somebody but i don't know who to talk to because i and so i was just like god who shall i who shall i open up to and he just said he kept saying just go talk to greg go talk to greg he didn't know my story he had no idea and as soon as he started I didn't even know how to counsel anybody. I didn't know how to work with people through this. But as soon as he started talking, I said, hold on. Before you can go any farther, can I just tell you my story? And I did. I just shared my story with him. He just said, man, now I know why God said you. But right away, God started bringing men into my life to walk with them through things. And God started bringing women to my wife wanting her to walk with them, but people that were women that had been hurt by their husband, women that had, had unfaithful husbands or whatever and were working through forgiveness and trust issues and all of that and allowing her to walk. But not only not only did she see the women that were coming to her, but she saw how that God, just because of the, the lessons that I learned and how God bringing that freedom into my life, how it was impacting other men today, and by the way, yes, I knew she was okay with it, but la- yesterday afternoon, like I said, I wasn't planning on sharing any of this. And yesterday afternoon, I just, when I just sensed the Lord telling me that, I just went out and I just called her again. I just said, hey, um, can I just, yeah, it's just what I'm sensing. She just started crying. She just said, I bless that. One thing I had left out, during that time of my unfaithfulness, there was a man poor, pitiful me that we were good friends with as well. Another married man. And he started playing the poor, pitiful me game to my wife. And she got sucked in. Never anything physically. But got very emotionally attached. And you know it was much harder for her to break that off than it was for me. Because of emotional attachments. All it would take a year two years down the road is for there just to be a little something maybe that we just don't quite feel a connection on or whatever and she starts feeling that emotion of what he gave her back then and it's just like I don't want it but yet I just want it so bad guys you probably can't relate to that but my guess is some of you ladies probably can And so my wife, in spite of how bad I hurt her, in spite of all of that today, my wife would stand here beside me and say, I thank God for that pain. I thank God for that journey because she has seen it help other people. And what I want to do, who can tell me when David and Goliath were there in the valley, who, what was it? That took the head off of the giant. Goliath's own sword. Think about that. What if. What if. The weapon. That the enemy brought. To derail you. What if the weapon. That he was planning to use. To completely wreck your life. Was the very weapon. That is taking His head off. By you turning around what the enemy meant for evil, you use it for our good and your glory. And you not only learn to walk in freedom, and the enemy not only be defeated in your life, but you start walking alongside others, and God starts bringing people to you, and you're swinging his sword against him. What if we were so passionate About bringing Jesus glory. That we were willing to use our testimony. To point others to Jesus. Are you okay. With God using your pain. Your mistakes. Your hurts. And failures to show other people. More of his character. What if the avenue that he wants to reach someone. Is through your pain or your mistakes, are you willing to let him do it? Man, that's tough. That's tough for us to be open, transparent, and say, this is who I am. But I promise you it's so worth it. Are there still things, events, or circumstances of your past that are just still too painful to talk about Are you still carrying too much shame and condemnation from those past mistakes? I'm going to tell you, when Jesus was there praying in that garden and he looked in that cup, or when he was praying and he said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I'll tell you what he saw in there. What he was asking the Father, if it's possible, let it pass from me, was not that these nails are going to hurt my hand. It was not that these nails will hurt my feet or that that, those stripes across my back will hurt or that the thorns in my head is going to hurt. Yes, it was going to hurt, but that was just going to be physically. But what hurt him so bad is knowing that your shame, my shame, my sin, he was willing to take on himself and for the father to actually have to turn his head and he cried out my god my god why have you forsaken me you want to know why the father had to turn his head because of your sin and because of my sin second corinthians 5:21 he made him jesus to be sin for us here so that we could be made the righteousness that means that he became something that he wasn't so that you could become something that you're not. He became sin so that we could be made righteous. I don't share any, any of that because I'm proud. It hurts. I have so many regrets. But I want to be very clear. I want to be very clear at this. Back 10 years ago, I laid that shame. I laid that condemnation at the cross. And by God's grace, I will never carry it again. Am I saying that I never Have to battle lust again. No, I'm not saying that. But what I am telling you is that I never intend to carry that bag of guilt and shame and condemnation ever again for any of my past because Jesus died for it. He died to set me free from that revelation that says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm telling you all. This, this evening, there is power in sharing your testimony because it just shows another part of God's character. If our stories were all the same, we would only see one aspect of God's character. But because there's 100 people in this room and there's 100 different stories, we get to see 100 different aspects of God's character. So is there still shame that you're carrying that keeps you from really opening up about your past and being vulnerable to others? Could I have someone come up and play the keyboard? Or if you want to just start a little bit of music, it's fine as well. Why don't you just do that? Would you, could you just start just a little instrumental? God is able to take stronghold in our lives and turn it for his glory. What the enemy meant for evil, he turns it for our good and for his glory. The blood of Jesus still cleanses. The blood of Jesus still sets prisoners free. The blood of Jesus still removes guilt, shame, condemnation, and the power of sin in our lives. So what would the path to surrender, to surrendering these parts of our heart, what would that really look like? What would repentance look like for you? And maybe you're actually living in victory now. But you've never really dealt with it. You've just kept that door of your heart shut. How will exposing my sin turn out? What will people think? What about my reputation? When I prayed that prayer, asking God to take whatever He needed to, I promise you, my reputation was there with it. I didn't care. I said, no one will ever trust me again other than my wife. But you know what? I don't even care. I did not care. I honestly didn't care. I was like, if I can just be free, I don't care if people don't trust me. And what the enemy was saying to me in that, that people won't trust you, was completely a lie. In fact, it was just the opposite. Guys, are you leading Are you being leaders in a pure way? Are you leading with integrity? Are you a protector of the ladies that God has placed in your realm of influence? Ladies, are you walking in honor and purity before the Lord? Do you possess your body in holiness? And are you committed to keeping your body for your future spouse? God is our wonderful gifts for your future spouse but the rest of us do not need to see it. No, it's just being blunt, but it's just the rest of us don't need to see it. You're doing the men in your lives favor when you just simply walk in honor and purity before the Lord. I also realize that there could be a possibility that there's people in here that have been sexually abused and that this topic is very painful. I'm, I'm keenly aware of that. I'm also aware that there could be people in here, both guys or ladies, that have taken advantage of someone else, of the opposite sex. A real good chance In fact I'd probably say it's a probability But you don't have to carry it anymore Tonight Can be your night For you to drive that stake in the ground And say Enough is enough And just give it to God And there's people That'll walk with you There's people that'll weep with you There's people that'll pray with you and I promise you, I can assure you that if there's anyone that looks down on you, they don't have your best in mind. There's nothing better. I just, I love to see someone just come clean because it's the work of God. It's a work of redemption. I don't look down on them the strength that it takes to do that I know I know what it takes I know how hard that is so tonight you're going to have the opportunity and I don't know what that will look like I don't know what God has spoken to you tonight but in in subjects like this there um, especially if there's people that need to get some things off their heart um I think it would be good if we're going to open the altar, but we're going to ask that. I'm going to ask that there's a separation of guys and ladies, so the guys can be real and ladies can be real. So I'm just going to ask you all just to close your eyes. And what we're going to do is, I haven't even been over here. I don't even know what the prayer rooms are like or anything. But ladies, if there's anything. God speaking to you, all the way from mistakes you've made, a lack of convictions, a lack of God, of, of just possessing your possessing your vessels in honor. Or maybe someone has taken advantage of you. Maybe maybe there's someone in this room that has taken advantage of you. Don't. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. You don't have to carry it anymore. Maybe you've been abused. But ladies, if there's anything that you want to pray about, you just want to give to God, I'm just going to ask you to just get up and just go over to the prayer room to the left. And then guys, and, and you can go now if there's any of you that need to pray and want others to pray with you. And then for you guys... Up to the front right. But I just wanna I just want to be clear. I had asked God when I was praying for y'all this afternoon, I had asked God just to just to reveal to me, just to show me if there's people here that are not walking in freedom. And I promise you I'm not here to judge anyone. I promise. But I can also sense that in some of you, there's stuff that needs to be prayed through. So I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to force anyone. But I just want you to know that the left room's up there open for the women. And up here to the right, all the guys that just want to be real, be open. Just gather up there, and we're just going to go over there, and we're going to pray together. We're just going to be church to each other.